they've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome, welcome to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday. Um, today is the 10th of November. It's the Feast of St. Leo the Great, um, Pope and Doctor of the Church. So I want to um, begin with prayer in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived by the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it done unto me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O most holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech you, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we to whom the incarnation of Christ your Son was made known by the message of an angel may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection. Through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Come, O Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of the faithful and enkindle in them the fire of thy love. Send forth thy spirit, and they shall be created, and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit did instruct the hearts of the faithful, grant that in the same spirit we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolation. Through Christ our Lord, amen. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus, Deus Sabaot. Plenis uncelliat terra, gloria tua, Hosanna in excelsis. Benedictus qui venit in nomine domini, Hosanna in excelsis. And I want to remind you all about the auction. If you go to our website right now, you can um, participate in the auction. Are these auction items here? These auction items are coming mysteriously into our studio here. Oh my goodness, yes. We have uh, signed copies of Dominion by Father Chad Ripperger. We have a signed copy of The Devil in the City of Angels by Jesse Romero. We have The Liber Cristo Method, a field manual for spiritual combat by Dan Schneider. These are all signed copies, so you can... There are three sets of that There are three sets. There are three sets. This is a set, the three of them, and there's three sets up for bid. Oh, okay, and then we have another set, which is these two here. Oh my goodness, this, okay. Okay, here's another set. We have, um, in addition to, you have Devil in the Angel, in the City of Angels, and you have the Liber Cristo Method, and then you have, in addition to that, the Deliverance Prayers for the laity. For the laity. And this is a um, St. Benedict medal for your home. These are St. Benedict medals for your home. Oh my goodness, this is beautiful. Wow. There you go. So two sets. So to go to vmpr.org, 
and register to bid. So you can bid on these items. And that supports the radio. That's one of the things that's going to keep us going here. <laughs> we can only go on by um, our listener support. Really, seriously, our listeners are the ones who support us. And um, we do, um, I want to thank any new listeners we might have today. And I, I also want to ask anyone who does listen, please, please share the fact with your family, friends, church members, uh, prayer partners, associates, work associates, anyone you associate, neighbors, that we have a Bible study. You know, we, we, do we know why we're here? Do we know where we came from, where we're going? What is the purpose of our life? Is there meaning in suffering? Do you want to know the answers to these questions? They're here in the scriptures, and that's what we want to emphasize here. And um, so please, please have more people join us. Let your family and friends and everybody know and invite them to join us. And they don't have to listen live. You can listen on the podcast. And if you download the app and um, listen on the app, I think it that puts the ratings up. It lets us know um, how many people are actually listening. So please, please um, let people know. Tell them about the app. Get the app yourself. Have your friends and family get the app. Your neighbors, everyone you know. And... Um, even people you might not like. We have a Bible study. Do you want to know more about Jesus? Do you want to know your meaning and purpose of life? Do you want to know why you're here, where you came from, where you're going? What is the meaning of suffering? Why do we suffer? Why does God allow evil in this world? Why does he allow, if he's a good God, why does he allow evil? All of these questions are answered in the Bible. They're all there. And it's, you know, God is speaking to us. Do you want God to speak to you every day? Read the scriptures. Read the scriptures. God speaks. This is God's holy word. So he's speaking to us through his scriptures. So we, we are looking at the book of Philippians. And I kind of honed in here on verses 12. And then I'll do 13 also. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation in fear and trembling. For God is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So what does this mean, work out your salvation in fear and trembling? Well, workout, you know, what's a workout? We know constant effort, right? You know, if you're going to run a race, you got to be ready for it. You have to prepare. Uh, St. Paul talks about that in the letter to the Corinthians. You know, all the, all the runners in the race don't win the crown. They all deny their body a lot. They all discipline themselves. They all prepare but only one person wins the race. Well, the nice thing about getting to heaven is it's not just one person who gets there. God has room for all of us. He wants us all there. But again, we have to work out. We have to work it out. So it's, it's, um, we have to make a continued effort of living the gospel and pursuing our heavenly reward. Um, the statement assumes that while our initial salvation has nothing to do with our own works, our final salvation depends on a lifetime of keeping the faith. So you have our initial salvation, right? How do we know that it has nothing to do with our works? Well, look, let's look at Ephesians, if I can get this real quick. I always have to remember the relationship of these letters to one another. Ephesians comes just before Philippians. So we're going to look at Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. And this is how we know that um, our salvation is, is nothing to do with our own works. Ephesians 2, and 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is a gift of God. So it is by grace that we are saved through faith, and it's a gift of God. Not because of our works, 
lest any man should boast. Okay, so we can't boast before God. We can't tell him he owes us this or, oh, Lord, look at all these good things I did for you. And so now you you're going to you're going to do this for me. It's not about that. Okay, salvation is a free unmerited gift. Okay, free unmerited gift. And so then we have um, Second Timothy that tells us that our final salvation depends on a lifetime of keeping the commandments. So then we go to Second Timothy. Paul's, is it first? Yeah, second, second Timothy, not first Timothy. So we want to go to second Timothy and it's chapter four, verses seven and eight. And in chapter four, it says this. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. He's talking there about hard work, isn't he? He's fought the good fight. He has finished the race. He has kept the faith. From now on, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on the day, and not only to me, but to all who have longed for his appearing or loved his appearing. Are we looking forward to his appearing? Are we desiring his appearing? Are we praying for it? Do we long for the Lord? Do we love the fact that he's coming again? Do we love the Lord? That's a good question, right? What is this faith of ours all about? What is the, what is the bottom line of it? What is the, the, the foundation? You know, love, God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. So our, the, the salvation, the initial salvation is not because of us. It's because God himself reached out to us. When we were yet sinners, Christ Jesus died for us godless men. Remember? Us godless men. We were helpless, Romans says. We were godless and helpless, and Jesus Christ died for us. So, so it's, it, the initial salvation is God's work, God reaching out to us. And the final salvation, but it depends on our perseverance. Our will has to be involved. Our choice for God has to be involved. We can't just spend our life spitting in God's face and then expect that at the end he's going to say, oh, all is forgiven, come on in. Not if we don't ask. Have we asked for salvation? Have we asked for forgiveness? Lord Jesus Christ, come into my heart as my Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ is Lord. Sit down right now and see if you can say this. Because <laughs> you might fall down if you try to say it and you can't. Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. Only in the Spirit can we say those words. Only in the Spirit. So if we can say those words and we're in the Spirit, let's continue living in the Spirit. So, we have this, this um, task of um, working out our salvation. We have to follow the commandments. Well, how do we know we have to follow the commandments? Well, Jesus gave us the commandments. God gave us the commandments. They're not just uh, 10 suggestions, 10, um, you know, maybe you want to if you're on a good day and you want to feel like it. It's like it commands. God gives us the, he's the, he's the, he's the one who made us, you know. He gives us the guidepost and, and the, Conditions for which, how it is, how it is that we are going to remain what he has made us to be. I want to talk more about this on the other side of this break. We have to take a break right now. Don't forget the auction. Please go to vmpr.org right now and get into that auction. Sign up, register, and start looking at the auction items. And um, if you can make a donation... Um, to VMPR directly and you don't want to do the auction, just call 877-526-2151. Thank you to any new listeners we have today and thank you to all of those of you who are sharing this with others. I'll be right back with more on Five Words of Arbors. Don't go away. 
Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, the 10th of November. And we're talking about uh, Ephesians 2, verses 12 and 13. We'll see how much more we could get to today. But um, so we're talking about, you know, what does this mean? Work out your salvation. So we're working it out. How does that? We have to to follow the commandments. Um, Initial salvation is a free gift, but we have to respond. We have to participate in in this work of Christ. We become... um, partners with him. Okay. And, and God made us without asking us if we wanted to be made, but he will not save us without us asking for salvation. So yeah, he offers us the free unmerited gift of salvation, but we have to ask for, um, that to, to be a, to come into our lives. And then we have to ask for us to continue in that because, um, as St. Paul says in one of his letters, you know, pray for me that after having preached to others, I myself might not fall away. So it's clear in the scriptures that yes, having once had faith, you, we can lose it. Faith is a gift. Let's continue to ask for it every day. So then following the commandments, this is part of the way that we, we show God that we love him. We talked about love a little bit just before the break. So he who has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father. Okay. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. He who does not love me does not keep my words. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in in my love. Just as I have kept the father's commandments. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. And then that's in the gospel of John chapter 14. Uh, verses 15 and there's and then in chapter 15 there's a couple other verses there so uh, and following and then we have in the letter of john uh, john's first letter i believe it is one john five three this the same idea that showing our love for god is shown in the keeping of his commandments that when we keep his commandments this is how we show god that we love him so 1 John 5, 3, and it says this, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. So if we love God, we will keep his commandments. It's not about, you know, Jesus didn't do away with the Ten Commandments. We have to keep them. And in um, 2 John, the second letter of John, verse 6, John writes, And this is love that we follow his commandments. That is the commandment, as you have heard from the beginning, that you follow love. So John is, and John is telling us that this keeping of the commandments is tied up in love. This is the, this is the, because God is love. Our faith is based on this love of God that God has for us and that that he wants to communicate himself and his love to us. So in, in this working out things, working out our salvation here in Philippians, these are the things that um, Paul is referring to. What, what, else is, what else is entailed in this working out? Persevering in good works. Where, where do we read that we have to persevere in good works? What do you mean persevering in good works? You know, we, it, it works. You think you're buying your way to heaven? No, I don't think I'm buying my way to heaven. 
And Paul wasn't talking about buying our way to heaven by good works. Um, in, in Romans 2, verse 2, oh, chapter 2, verse 7, he says, well, I, I'm going to start at verse 6. For he will render to every man according to his works, to those who by patience in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. So we have to persevere in good works. Paul is telling us, God will render to every man according to his works, to those who by patience in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. So when we show by, by well-doing that we're seeking for glory, honor and immortality. That doesn't mean earthly glory. That doesn't mean earthly honor to honor. It means heavenly glory. It means glorifying God. Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Glorified be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Are we seeking for this? Are we striving for God's glory, for his kingdom to come, his will to be done? Um, so that's, and, and his honor. Are we honoring God and, and honoring ourselves as temples of God? You know, we are God's building, right? Built up, out of living stones, his temple, that each one of us is, is a temple of God and God lives in us. We're supposed to take care of his temple. And, it, and it's, I believe it's in Corinthians. Paul says, um, he who destroys God's temple, he, he, he tells us that we are God's temple, each one of us. Yes, there's the temple of God, the church. There's the temple of God, the building where we worship, but there's the temple of God, also our human body. And that he who destroys God's temple, God will destroy he doesn't want us to mutilate our bodies or to um, degrade them. We are being built up as living stones to be lights for the world, to be a light of Christ in the world. So we're supposed to be like Christ. And that Christ never sinned. He didn't sin. So, so we have to persevere in the good works. And the good works are, are, how do we know what good works we're supposed to do? According to the duties of our state in life, we are supposed to, be faithful to the duties of our state in life. This is our calling from God. And we are to be faithful and to do everything in our, of the duties of our state in life in love for God and in order, in obedience to his will that he has given us this calling. And when we do that, that pleases him. And that's what, then he, he sanctifies us through the doing of our duties of state in life. So then what else do we have to do? We have to strive for holiness. Well, how do I know I have to strive? Well, have you read Hebrews yet? If you haven't, do read Hebrews, okay? It says, um, do I have the right thing here? I have Hebrews 12, 4 is supposed to be the, um, he's talking about the example of, of Jesus. So I'm going to start at Hebrews 12, 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight of sin which clings so closely and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and is seated now at the right hand of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary and faint-hearted in your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood." And have you forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor lose courage when you are punished by him. For the Lord disciplines those whom he loves and chastises 
every son that he receives. So we're striving for this holiness of Christ. We're striving. Now, I can't reach that on my own. Only God can make me holy, but I can ask every day and strive and show him by my persevering in the good that he has set before me, my duties of my state in life, doing them faithfully and with a great deal of love, do everything with a great deal of love. This was St. Therese of Lisieux, her rediscovering of the gospel that everything we do should be done out of love, out of love for God and love for our neighbor. And we should strive to constantly be doing everything for love. So we're striving by doing this, we're striving for holiness. And this is, these aren't my, this is not my idea. This is what the scripture is telling us. And so then um, we're, we're supposed to also um, work our salvation through earnest prayer. Thessalonians 5.17. Wait a minute. 1 Thessalonians. And I'm in 2 Thessalonians. I have this difficulty when there's two letters by the same name. Trying to, trying to stay in the right letter, right? So I'm back to 1 Thessalonians 5.17. So we'll try and get the correct verse here. So rejoice always. I'm starting with verse 16. Rejoice always. Pray constantly. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Rejoice always. Pray constantly. So we're supposed to pray regularly but we should also allow the spirit of prayer and praise to envelop our work and daily activities, which we do, whatever we do can be done for the greater glory of God. It can be done for the greater glory of God. Okay? So you can see Colossians 3.17 on that. And then we have Romans 8.13 and 1 Corinthians 9.24-27 which tells us that we have to fight against the selfish demands of our flesh, okay? If you live according to the flesh, you will die, Paul tells us in Romans 8, 13. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. We cannot live according to the flesh and expect to have eternal life. We have to put to death the works of the flesh. We have to put them to death and strive for a life of holiness, a life of union with God. And then, um, and then again, that's in, Ro- in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27 is where Paul uses that analogy of the race. Do you not know that, a, that in a race all run and compete, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. Every athlete, if they really want to win, will exercise self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable crown, something that's passing away. They just a perishable crown. But we are striving for an imperishable crown. Well, I do not run aimlessly and I do not box as one beating the air, shadow boxing, but I pummel my body and subdue it lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. This is Paul's letter to the Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. So we want to be faithful to the Lord in all things. So what is this um, fear and trembling, to work out your salvation in fear and trembling? Well, the fear and trembling part is, is a sense of awe. The fear part is a sense of awe. Fear, the fear is the beginning of wisdom. That fear is awe and reverence in his sight, awe and reverence before God, that we reverence God and we hold him in awe, okay? 
And, and so we live this, we are in awe at serving the living God, a sense of, and then a sense of dread at the prospect of sinning and offending him. So we can look at Exodus 20, 18 through 20 and Psalm 2, 11 through 2. St. Paul's, um, excuse me, St. Augustine's commentary on this uh, verse by Paul, when Paul commanded them to work, he addresses their free will. In other words, we have to set our will to do God's will. With fear and trembling, cautions them against boasting as if their good deeds were their own. If you fear and tremble, you will not boast of your good deeds since it is God who works them within you. It is God who works them within you. And that's chapter, verse 13, the encouragement. For God is at work in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. It is God who inspires any measure of accomplishment or desire in us. We're coming up against a break. So on the other side of this break, I do want to uh, have a few paragraphs from the catechism that address this and, and um, teach us a little more. Call 877-526-2151 if you want to make a donation. Don't forget to go on BNCR.org and uh, participate in that auction. Register and go ahead and bid away. We'll be right back. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome. Welcome back to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, the 10th of November. Again, we have that um, auction going on. If you go to vmpr.org right now, this is on Friday. It ends tonight at 6.30, so you can um, bid on auction items until 6.30 p.m., and then there's also a gathering in the chapel. We'll pray the rosary at 6.30. And there's going to be a, um, a film of, um, well, I, I believe it's the talks from uh, the um, Liver Christu or, or Kyle, Kyle Clement and um, Dr. Dan Schneider um, on spiritual warfare, I believe. So we have Paul's letter here to the Philippians, verses, chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. So far, we haven't gotten past those. And so in this, um, in verse 13, Paul reminds his readers that God's grace is working actively within them to both desire and to do what pleases him. And we can cross-reference that to Hebrews 13, 20 and 21. And at, in that, there, this, towards the end of the letter of Hebrews, it's coming to the end. And Paul says, now, May the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equipped you with every good that you may do his will, working in you that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So God works in us what is pleasing in his sight. It is he who works in us. And accomplishes these things. And we have in paragraph, uh, the Catechism of the Catholic Church, number 308, um, the truth that God is at work in all the actions of his creatures is inseparable from faith in God the Creator. God is the first cause who operates in and through secondary causes. For God is at work in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. 
And again, that's the, the quote we're, we're looking at here, Philippians 2.13. Far from diminishing the creature's dignity, this truth enhances it. Drawn from nothingness by God, by God's power, wisdom, and goodness, the creature can do nothing if it is cut off from its origin. For without a creator, the creature vanishes. Still less can a creature attain its ultimate end without the help of God's grace. So God inspires us to do the good that he wants us to do for the sake of our salvation so that we can go to heaven and be with him. Okay. In number 1949, it says, called to beatitude, but wounded by sin, man stands in need of salvation from God. Divine help comes to him in Christ through the law that guides him and the grace that sustains him. And they give the quote, work out your salvation in fear and trembling. For God is at work in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And that's in the catechism number 1949. And then in the catechism number 1994, it says, justification is the most excellent work of God's love made manifest in Christ Jesus and granted by the Holy Spirit. It is the opinion of St. Augustine that the justification of the wicked is a greater work than the creation of heaven and earth. St. Augustine wrote that. The justification of the wicked is a greater work than the creation of heaven and earth. Because heaven and earth will pass away. But the salvation of justification of the elect will not pass away. When we are justified by God and get to heaven, it's eternal. Eternal, eternal, eternal. Ever, ever, ever. Forever and ever unto ages unending and unending. He holds also that the justification of sinners surpasses the creation of the angels in justice in that it bears witness to a greater mercy. The angels were created in justice. They were created in a state of holiness and they only had one choice. So the angels that fell, fell and forever. But God can exercise mercy toward man. When an angel makes a choice, he can't change his mind. This is just an aside. So you understand an angel can't change his mind. So when the third of the angels, approximately third of the angels from the book of Revelation, where the, the, the dragon sweeps a third of the stars, the stars representing angels from the sky, approximately a third of the angels fell with Satan when he rebelled against God. They can't change their mind. There's no going back. But he made man and man because he's a creature composed of body and soul. And he comes to know things through his senses. He can be mistaken in his choice about what is truly good as Adam and Eve were. <laughs> Oops. But it was a grave moral evil that they commit. They, they turned their backs on God. So they didn't sin out of fear. They sinned out of um, covetousness, wanting to have that knowledge that God was keeping from them. And perhaps Adam, Adam had the, the unwillingness to be separated from Eve because she had eaten and she's offering him the fruit as she has eaten it. And so when he, ta he takes it, because he doesn't want to be separated from her, which is a warning to us. You know, if we're more attached to the people of this earth than we are to the will of God, we might give up doing the will of God or we might sin because the people around us want us to do that. 
And we're separating ourselves from God by doing that. Never, never, never choose any creature, created thing or person, over God. God is God and we are not. And we pray God for the grace every day to be faithful and to be persevering and to fight the good fight, to run the race, to keep the faith, as Paul wrote. So his letter goes on. He, he, he tells the uh, Philippians to do all things without grumbling or question, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Remember I mentioned that we're supposed to be a light of the world? And Jesus said that in the gospel, right? You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. You are the salt of the earth. We're supposed to, you know, but what if salt loses its, fla- its saltiness? Then it's worthless. It's good for nothing to be, other than to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. So we don't want to um, let our lights go out and we don't want to let our salt go flat. We want to keep the light shining. And this is um, do all things without grumbling or question. Okay. That you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. And we live in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. We know that. But we have to be the light that leads people to Christ. You know, if we we go ahead and... um, work out our salvation in fear and trembling, trusting in God and knowing that our encouragement comes from the fact that God is the one who has beget this desire. Do I long for heaven? Do I want to be holy? Do I want to live in union with God? Do I want to do as well? Then God has given me those desires and I have to work on it. And when I fail, why do you think he gave us the sacrament of confession? So that we can confess our sins and be forgiven. Go back to the Lord and say, I'm sorry. You know, um, Carl Menninger, past president of the American Psychological Association, wrote a book called Whatever Happened to Sin? And in that book, he talks about the fact that um, sin is a real offense against God who is real. So the guilt it produces is real guilt. You know, it's not, it's not the church that lays this guilt on you. It's not even society that lays this guilt on you. It's, it's, it's the fact that you've offended someone who loved you. Sin offends God. What do we know about sin? Well, we know that sin darkens the intellect and makes us unable to see what is the true good. It weakens our will. Our will was made to choose the good. Our intellect was made to, to perceive the true good. Our will is made to choose the good will, the good, the, the true good, love. The will, love is in the will, right? Love is in the will. And when we love the true good, we, we choose God. But sin weakens that. And it also degrades us as human beings because we're made in God's image. And if we commit mortal sin, mortal sin shatters the image of God in us. Venial sin makes it dirty and cloudy. And yes, there is a distinction between sin that is deadly and sin that is not deadly in the first letter of John. You can go ahead and read the first letter of John and see that. So we want to avoid all sin, And if you're committing mortal sins, then begin now. Make the resolution to stop and go to confession immediately. Just call a priest and make make an appointment or Sacred Heart Parish here in Covina. I think they hear confessions on Friday nights at 730. They did do that. And I know that um, at San Lorenzo Ruiz in Walnut, 
They have a daily mass at 7 a.m. and a daily mass at 7 p.m. And they have confessions for 15 minutes before every daily mass. And then at 8 a.m. on Saturday, 15 minutes before that, Father will hear confessions. And on Saturday afternoon, they have confessions at 3.30. So there's ample, and you can go, you know, wherever you are, look in your local parishes. And if you don't see confession time, just call Father and say, I need to go to confession. Okay, make a resolve to give up mortal sin. Ask God for the grace to do that. And because sin darkens the analytic, weakens the will, and it, 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 it degrades us as human beings, and, you know, Jesse and Terry like to say, you know, it darkens the intellect, it makes us stupid. It weakens the will, it makes us weak. And it degrades, it degrades us, it destroys God's image in us, it makes us ugly. St. Catherine of Siena once, our Lord showed her a soul in the state of grace. Now she said she knew, without a doubt, that there's only one God. But seeing the soul in the state of grace, she was sorely tempted to worship. Why? Because a soul in the state of grace reflects God. It reflects God. It is, it's reflecting the beauty of God. So when we sin, we become ugly. You know, the demons are not pretty. Now, the, the demon can appear to you as an angel of light to fool you. But no, he, he's not pretty. He's ugly. He, he refused God's love. He refused love, and it's made him very ugly. Hate, anger, resentment, an unwillingness to forgive. They make us ugly, don't they? It's just in the human realm. You know, you look at someone who's always angry, or you see someone, you see that anger in their face, and it's like, it's kind of ugly. It's kind of scary. It's got another break here. Darn, comes up so fast. Well, I hope you're all enjoying this. I hope you're sharing this with your friends and family, and let everybody know that we have a Bible study here. I know people are looking for Bible studies, so please spread the word. We have a Bible study here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. I'll be right back with more, and we'll close up this episode today. Uh, don't forget to go on virginmostpowerfulradio.org. Auction. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome, welcome back to Bible with the Barber <laughs> on this Friday, November the 10th. 2023, and we're talking about Paul's letter to the Philippians, um, chapter 2, verses 12, and we've gotten up to verse 14 here, um, and 15, that we work out our salvation in fear and trembling. And that fear is that holy fear of God, that fear which is the foundation of wisdom, that fear which is awe and reverence in his sight. And that we have seen here that we have to be faithful, that we have to um, strive for our salvation. We can never give up trying. We have to be like an athlete who's always preparing for a race. We have to deny ourselves. We have to subdue our flesh, and we have to not give in to the desires of the flesh, but we have to work for our salvation. And we have to, um, that, you know, our, our initial salvation, yes, is a free gift. And so is our, and, but our, and our final salvation depends on a lifetime of being faithful and that um, we, we have to pray for the grace to persevere, the final perseverance. And that we to to um, we have to keep the commandments of God, and that this is this is how we prove our love is by keeping His commandments. And we have seen that um, we have to be persevering in good works, as it says in Romans, and we have to be striving for holiness, as it says in Hebrews, and we have to be praying, praying, earnestly, earnestly, as it says in Thessalonians, and we have to um, be fighting against the forces of evil, as it says in Ephesians, and we have to fight flesh 
as it tells us in Romans and in 1 Corinthians. So we have this sense of awe. Do we, do we actually realize, do we meditate on the fact that we have been made by God in order to know him, to love him, and to serve him? That we have been called into the service of God. We weren't made for mediocrity. We're made for greatness to serve the Lord our God and not just to serve him, but to live in union with him. That he wants to share his very life with us. That he wants to share his love and, and heaven. He wants us to be with him in heaven. And that he's there to help us. He gives us all the helps we need. This is why he established his church in order to give us the graces that we need the actual graces day by day and his sanctifying grace. Sanctifying grace is God's own life in our soul. And it makes us beautiful. And his grace, his grace gives light to our intellect so that we know that God is the true good that we were made to choose. And it, it strengthens our will so that we have the strength of will to say no to sin and to say no to any creature or uh, any created thing that's trying to take us away from God. And that it makes us beautiful. It makes us living images of God, his light, his light shining in the world, as Paul says in, in verses um, uh, 14, 15 here, that you be blameless and innocent without blemish in the midst of a crooked generation among whom you shine like lights in the world. That city set on a hill, you are the light of the world. A, light, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden, a, a light. You, you put on a, a lamp to shine, to give, you don't put it under a bushel basket. So we, we're supposed to shine forth Christ. And, and the light, oh Jesus, will be all from you. None of it will be ours. It will be you, Jesus, shining on others through us. That prayer radiating Christ uh, that the missionaries of charity say every day, Mother Teresa taught them. And I had saw, seen on the internet that that prayer was actually written by John Henry Newman, the Anglican convert, and I haven't been able to verify that, but I'll have to, one of these days in my research time, I'll have to look that up. And we also talked about the fact that we are temples of God, okay? And that's in 1 Corinthians 3, um, verse 16, it says what? Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and that temple you are. We are holy to the Lord our God. In the sacrament of baptism, we were consecrated and set aside. We belong to the living God. God claimed us as his own. Sin had made us strangers. We're all born with original sin. That's why Jesus came, was to free us from the power of sin and death. So he came, he established his church, and in that church he gave us seven sacraments by which we receive grace. And when we are baptized, it's regeneration. It's not just a ceremony of welcoming a child into a community. It's regeneration. We become regenerated. We who were dead in sin, we who were enemies of God, dead in sin, we become alive. Enemies of God, we become not only his friends, but his very dear children. We, and then we become his dwelling place. He comes to dwell in us. We are his temple. Paul says, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? God came to dwell in us in baptism. And we're supposed to live a life. You know, there was a saying, it was popular. I don't know if it's still popular, but Christians aren't different. They're just forgiven. No, Christians are different precisely because they are different. 
because they are forgiven. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> Christians aren't different just for the sake of being different. <laughs> My old age is showing. Christians are different because they are forgiven. Because we are forgiven, we want to live like Christ. We want to behave like God as his very dear children. We want to walk the pathway of Christ. We want to walk the narrow way that Christ walked. If you want to come after me, take up your cross daily and follow me, the Lord says. So we want to do this. We want to be the light shining in a darkened age. We want to be, but the light of Christ. It's not about me. It's not about bringing people to me. It's not about bragging about my works. No, I don't want to take, I'm not taking pride in any works because it's not me who does the work. If I do, if something good is done by me, that's done by me because God gave me the grace to do it. First, he gave me the inspiration. Then he gives me the ability and he he gives me the perseverance to carry it through. It's God working in and through us. It's not we, it's not, uh, look at me, everybody. No, it's look at Christ, look at Christ. Give glory to God, praise his holy name. Build one another up in the Lord. Say only the good things men need to hear, things that will truly build them up in the Lord. You know, if there's anything good or noble or beautiful or, or honorable or, or true, speak about these good things. This, and I can't remember the passage. I, yeah, and I don't have a computer in front of me. I can't cheat here. You know, I can't type into my computer and, and pull up these verses. But, but I remember them. And, and this is why we pray every day. We pray every day. Prayer is a loving conversation with him who loves us. We spend time with him. We become like our friends. We become like those we love. And that's why we set our hearts on God and love God, so that we might become like him. And by the way, for Catholics and for anyone who wants to, Jesus is really present in the Eucharist, not because I said so, but because Jesus himself said so. This is my body, which is given up for you. This is my blood, which is given up for you, which will be shed for you. He is God. When God speaks the word, it happens. He didn't say it was a symbol of his body, a symbol of his blood. It is his body, blood, soul, and divinity. Jesus Christ is truly present in his risen, ascended, glorified state as he is in heaven. He is so present in the Eucharist. And he feeds us on his Eucharistic presence if we are Catholics, if we have the privilege of being in his church and we invite all to join that church. But ask the Lord. Ask the Lord for the grace to believe in his real presence. We knew, Terry and I, we used to have perpetual adoration at St. Christopher's and the church was open 24 hours a day and people could go in and there wasn't exposition, but our Lord was in the tabernacle. And there were Protestants who came in every day or regularly to visit Jesus. And there are many Protestants, they walk into a Catholic church and they say, what is different? Why do I feel so different when I come into a Catholic church? Because Jesus Christ is really there, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist. You know, we don't have to long for him as if it were 2,000 years ago. He's with us now. When we say the Angelus, by the way, which I started this program with, we're, we say that prayer, we're supposed to say it three times a day to remember that God became man. God became man. Do we, are we at awe at this reality? Do we have awe, holy fear? This is so awesome. And, and we're supposed to meditate on that reality three times a day that God became man and lived among us. And he remains with us in the Eucharist. Jesus is really present in the Blessed Sacrament. And he's there inviting us, expecting, inviting, and receiving all who come to visit him. You don't have to be Catholic. You can come and sit before his presence and say, Lord, I want to believe in you. 
reveal yourself to me. Lord, come into my heart as my Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ is Lord. Be my Lord and Savior. Be the Lord of my life. Give me the grace to stand against this perverse and crooked generation, against this dark world, so that your light can shine through me, so that your light can radiate from me, so that others can come to know you. Mother Teresa of Calcutta, Bishop Sheen met her in an airport once, and this is before she was real famous, but he knew of her, and he was very interested in evangelized pe- in people. And so he asked Mother Teresa, Mother, oh, Mother, I've been, I've been wanting to meet you. You've personally evangelized 15,000 people. What did you say to them? <laughs> and she looked at him. She said, I didn't say anything, but I loved them. Love. I loved them. She picked the dying up out of the streets, and she tended to them and told them. She didn't tell them at first. She loved them. But she would ask them a question. She said, then I would ask them a question. Do you know Jesus? And they'd look at her and say, oh, mother, is he anything like you? These people had been, many of them, thrown out by their own families because they were old or or sick and dying. And so they were thrown out by their own families. This was in India, Calcutta. And so she would say, no, 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 no. He's not anything like me but I am trying to imitate him. I'm striving to imitate him. (gasps) Mother, we want to know Jesus. And then she would tell them about Jesus. Her whole purpose was to take the dying and let them know that there was a purpose to their life, that they were loved by God, that God made them out of love and he had a mission for them and he desired them to know him and love him and serve him and be with him forever in heaven. That was her mission was to take the dying and in their last moments of life, give them hope so that they could run to the embrace of their father as they were dying. This is what she brought them. And this is what we need to bring to our dying world. Jesus is dying. He's literally dying to embrace us. The victim who immolated himself lives for all eternity, that act of immolated love. The lamb who was slain still bears his scars. He's no longer dying in heaven, but he still lives that act of immolated love and bears his scars. So let us all run to Jesus Christ and let him embrace us and gather us in to the Father's family and the household of God and make us his living temples as he sends his spirit to dwell in us and come visit him in the Blessed Sacrament. Pray every day, read your scriptures, get everyone you know to join this Bible study. Thank you to all of our listeners, our supporters the stations that pick us up and um, everybody who volunteers to help us offers their prayers and sufferings for us. We couldn't do this work without your support and we couldn't do this work without God's grace. So please pray for us every day. Virgin Most Powerful Radio, please remember to go on vmpr.org and participate in that auction so that we can continue. Thank you. See you again next week.